Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. Today is Thursday, August 4th, 2022. It's the first Thursday in August. We've turned the calendar once again. My, oh my, has this year been flying. Once you get into August, you know what that means. Dog days of summer. Baseball's in full-fledged scramble mode after the trade deadline. So we'll be talking about that. NFL training camps just got started. There's already a lot of hype. I could see that on social media already because everybody's talking about fantasy football and you don't even have to set your lineups for another four weeks. So you could feel the enthusiasm. You could feel that people are ready for some football. It's been almost six months now. We actually have a Hall of Fame game tonight involving the Raiders and the Jacksonville Jaguars. A lot to talk about. No better man to discuss it with than my main man, Pop DiBiase. What's up, Jamil? How are you, buddy? I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Just, uh, you know, do, doing my thing here, watching the, the Gigantes and the Dodgers, watching the A's and the Angels. Got me some Del Mar on one screen. Got me some Santa Rosa on another screen. Was watching a little Saratoga earlier. It's a sports-filled Thursday, my man. How about you? Oh, man, I'm just over here watching the Dodgers sweep the the Giants for the second time this season, eighth win in the Second time in two there. weeks, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's little, 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 there was little, some little coldness to some things, but, you know, pretty much they went ahead and they fixed all that, and it is what it is at the end of the day. So the – Yep, so it is what it is here. at the end of the day, man. Sorry about that. I got a little no, distracted by something I was doing. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. I was just going to say the the sweep here, which is what, like uh, two outs away, although the Giants have some runners on base, but I'm not optimistic that they're going to pull it off tonight. Um, I think that pretty much officially buries the Giants. Wouldn't you say? Just out of playoff contention. Obviously, we're not talking about the division or anything like that, but I think – Sorry, Giants fans. You guys have had a good run. You guys outplayed all expectations last year. Had a decent first half this year. But I think when you look up, Pop, and you see stacked teams ahead of you, like the Dodgers who have been stacked now for a couple of years, and they just keep getting richer, and they seem to keep calling up guys from the minors who are going four for five and who are hitting home runs on first swings and all sorts of stuff. And then you see the Padres getting a couple of all-stars, you know, and, and Josh Bell and Juan Soto. Obviously, Juan Soto, maybe the best left-handed hitter in the game right now. Maybe the best all-around hitter in the game. Definitely has one of the best eyes in the game. And then you even uh, hit a, get a grand slam yesterday about the, uh, the, uh, the guy that wasn't even talked about during the trade deadline, Brandon Drury. Man, I mean, I think it's tough to to be Farhan Zadi and, and look at, you know, where you're at in this division when you just won 107 games last year. And now you're looking up at two all-star teams in front of you. 
you know, and maybe we could talk about that a little bit later too, which is, you know, where do you go if your team's like the Giants? You know, um, that's a lot of pieces that you're now behind when you're talking about those two teams ahead of you. You know, I also want to talk about the same over the American League with the Angels. You know, and there was a lot of discussion about what to do with Shohei Otani. But let's first talk about the NL West because that's what made all the news. Uh, so let's just go down the list here. Let's start from the top. You surprised that the Dodgers didn't land Juan Soto? Are you surprised that they didn't? I guess we don't know necessarily how hard they went after him or not. Were you disappointed? Let's just start with that. They they, they didn't get Juan Soto. And do they even need him at all? Well, you know, if I was a uh, if I was a fan that was loved to play fantasy uh, baseball with actual live rosters, I would be heartbroken. But when I know realistically I got the best team in baseball, it's more of a luxury than a need. Where am I going to put Juan Soto at? I have I have my outfield is good. We're good at the end of the day. Juan Soto is a player that we're not going to pay five hundred million dollars to in the next two seasons. We we weren't going to be extending anything for him. Now, what happens with Juan Soto is you bring in a Puig-Manny effect. Yes, it's explosive. It's great. It's awesome. But when it's time to be serious about things and really get down to winning for real, then you got to have guys really be all in with it, not have their own little thing going on. Because the guy's a little cocky, bro. And I just think that the Dodgers avoided that type of situation where guys are going to think that, they're a little bit better than everybody else. And I'm not trying to put Soto down or anything. He's a talented, great player. But, you know, I'm not I'm not sad about a guy who bats 245, okay, not being on my team. All right? I got Freddie. Uh, we got Freddie uh, Freeman, who's batting 320 right now. We got Mookie Betts, who got 25 home runs right now. It, I'm not going to lose any sleep over not getting Juan Soto. And I said, any realistic Dodger fan knows that you got six guys down there that could possibly be rookies of the year. Why would you need to give that up? We've already given the Nets a good, you know, we gave the Nets a good crop last year. They've, they've been able to be blessed with Josiah Gray as a really good pitcher. He didn't start off very well this season, but right now he's actually won his last. Uh, he, we, he started off on five and wound up winning seven games in a row. So, He's getting it. He's getting better as a pitcher. They're the worst team in baseball, but he's one of their better pitchers. Then they got a pretty good rookie catcher in Ruiz that the Dodgers gave up as well, too. The Dodgers, like Friedman said, he didn't want to keep giving up so many key pieces in the farm. The Dodgers don't want to keep paying everybody $100 million to be in the lineup. They're not really worried about having, you know— uh, you know, every every awesome vet there is. They want to build their team up like the Dodgers build their team up. They're not the Yankees. You know, the Dodgers mix up a good uh, mix of veterans who've been with the uh, organization with young talent. And then you bring in some journeymen who are in who are guys that can be replaced, like Lamb, who got who the uh, Dodgers traded off to back to Seattle. And then they go pick up a guy like Joey Gallo. And Joey Gallo is a better fit for the Dodgers because Joey Gallo is not going to be asked to be in the outfield. He's not going to be asked to be at first base. Joey Gallo can go in there and be the DH. I look at Joey Gallo's numbers. Joey Gallo from 2017 to 2019, Joey Gallo hit 103 home runs, Mike. 103 home runs. He hit 38 last year. He has 170 all time. Now, when he plays a healthy full season, the guy 
hits the ball out of the park. He has the add and done syndrome where you hit a lot of home runs, but you don't get a lot of hits. And I think the way that the Dodgers hitting coaches have been so good to a lot of different veterans that have came to the Dodgers, Joey Gallo, regardless of how you felt about him in New York, is an absolute still. And I'm going to tell, and we'll we'll talk about this in a, at the end of October when the Dodgers are raising up the World Series trophy, Mike. Are you calling your shot there? Yes, I'm calling my shot, man. Moment, man. I'm calling my shot right there. Fingers you know you're dealing with the best team in baseball because simple as this, it's not even about the hidden mic. This team has a 2.91 ERA overall as a team. That means that the pitching is lights out, period, point blank. That means that you have a starting rotation, you have a middle group, you got a good setup, man, and, and they say your closer's iffy, but your closer – Gets a lot of saves as well, too. So the Dodgers are in prime position to raise up that trophy, Mike. And I know it's cocky right now, but Mike drop. You know what I mean? And But this is today, Mike. It's today. We're, it's the start of August. We still got two months left to go in the season. And, but the, right now the Dodgers are on cruise control, dude. And they are just winning. And they know they got to just keep winning. But you don't want them to win. You, you, you know that they're going to lighten up in, uh, in September. But I know that they just want to go ahead and prove points and really just go ahead and separate themselves from the rest of the pack in the National League, not just the West. You're absolutely right about that because NL's NL's got some good teams. I mean, obviously, the Braves did it last year. You got the Mets, who just got DeGrom back. Scherzer is pitching like the beast that he is. And then the Padres are getting healthy, and they just upgraded their team. I mean, those are four teams. Any one of them could be World Series winner. Any one of them could win the National League. I think the Dodgers have the it factor maybe more than some of the other teams. Although, like I said, the Braves are going to have something to say about that. You know, the thing about the Dodgers that's enigmatic is this. I thought that the year that the Nationals won the World Series, the Dodgers were a better team. Uh, I thought that the year that they lost the World Series to the Red Sox, that they were pretty close to even, but the Red Sox were maybe a little bit better. Red Sox had a historic year that year. I thought that last year that the Dodgers were a better team than the Braves. But for some reason, whatever the reason, the Dodgers sometimes just get hiccuped in the, in the playoffs. And before the seasons I just talked about, it was always something kind of different. Um, maybe Kershaw getting roughed up or something like that. Do you think the Dodgers, you know, could experience one of those road bumps? Because they're not going to have much margin for error. Because I don't think that the Braves team last year was as good as their team this year. I don't think that the Braves team last year is as good as the Mets are this year. And I'm not sure that they're as good as the Padres are this year. You see what I'm saying? Right. And when you look at it, it's like, damn, the Dodgers should have a three-peat. They really should. They really could. The Dodgers possibly probably would have won the World Series in 2019. They won in 2020. Oh, yeah, and they most definitely would have won last year. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I thought, like I said, I thought they had the best team three years in a row. Right. But the thing is with the Dodgers, I just feel like they gassed out. 
That's all it is. is that, and I didn't want to admit it until we got down to it's just like this. If the Dodgers don't get their way at Dodger Stadium, the series has always become kind of like, oh, what are we going to do? You know, it always is like that. Like, it's been like that my whole life. Like, if they don't look, if they don't win the first game at the stadium, it might be an issue. Or the critical game, they don't win it at the stadium, it might be an issue. Or the critical game that they need to put away, it might be an issue. You know what I mean? It's always scary when you got to have the Dodgers be in a winner-take-all game. And that's the biggest difference between them and the Yankees. That's why the Yankees got 27 of them at the end of the day. So you got to be able to win those 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 winner the 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 winner go homes and the Dodgers just have a real difficulty winning those games and they just were for they've really ran into a bad bad you know beat in a sense when it comes down to these teams that they've lost to in the Nats and the Braves both being from the National League East both had to both were in last place at one point of the season in the division both needed monster last eight weeks of the year to barely get into the playoffs and then boom here you are you're setting it up now you're in place the Dodgers have been winning they've been going crazy and it's the pesky Giants just on your tail and then it's the pesky Padres and then you run into this team they're so hot and they're just not like they're not like the teams that you've been playing so now you've run into this situation where you're like oh damn we're trying to get there. We're trying to get ourselves. We're, we're trying to still do the, that same thing that we're doing, but then get, get caught in a rut. And I think that the Dodgers this year, they are just in a very businesslike uh, a, a mantra. And that's why I feel like the Dodgers are, are really primed to win the World Series this year because they got a, they, they got a surplus of talent this year. They were kind of short on guys. They had big heart guys to me in those years. But this year they got guys that can just fill in and just take right on over on that spot. And I feel like they got a Yankee type aura to them a little bit. Like after watching Jeter and them, uh, Jeter's, uh, Jeter's, uh, the captain, they do give me the, the vibes that they're kind of like the 98 team. You know what I mean? They know what they're doing. They know what, how to get it done. And you know, they're going to come out there and they're going to try to kick your butt. You know what I mean? And they're going to try They're, they're going to go, Toe for toe, and we know that the Padres are now trying to be Red Sox West and go ahead and and fill the arms up. And now it's going to be a big, well, now the Padres and Daddy got everybody. And they're just having an arms race on who's going to be the team that's going to be in the World Series. But I still think that the Padres just don't have it. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, the, the, they don't have leadership. They don't have somebody that's like, I've been there. I've won a championship. This is how this is done. This is how this is done. This is how this is done. You know what I mean? Because you can be all giggles and having fun and playing to the crowd, but then you have to take this game serious as well, too. And the Dodgers have a real knack of having the uh, real jolly good time, but they're like more like fraternity, like, yeah, we're all together. But when it's time to be uh, business-like and really go about their business, they go about their business. The Padres is always a goof troop situation with me. I know everybody loves personalities and things like that, but they do remind me of a team that's playing down in the Caribbean or something of that nature. You know what I mean? And their crowd kind of plays off that as well, too. And it's like, that's not good baseball at the end of the day. That's not conducive of championship winning baseball in Major League Baseball. That can work in that league, but that's not going to work in this league. Because what happens when you can't dance all night and your guy's getting cooked 
by the uh, by the ace on the other side. You guys haven't. You guys got two hits for tonight, and it was like literally CNI singles. You know what I mean? Just a little dribbler to the to the center fielder. He's killing you tonight. So all those dance moves and mojos and all that stuff ain't gonna work. And while you goofing, you know you're not paying attention to the spots that can help you win the game. I feel like when the Dodgers get down. And maybe they might be down four runs at one point in the game. They get a lot more serious when they get up to the plate. You know what I mean? And they've been able to conquer four, five, six-run uh, deficits easily this season. That's the signs of a champion, Mike. And I'll end it with that. Man, you were on a pretty good roll there. You know, I, I like me some uh, some drumming, some humming, some some reggae, <laughs> some of that Caribbean shit. <laughs> But hey, you know, you actually, um, you you actually took an analogy right out of like my mouth, like I was literally about to go there, and I'm glad you 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 mentioned it, which was but kind of like the Red Sox West. You know, growing up, the Red Sox were always the Yankees' stepchild. You know, and Pedro Martinez said it himself, right? Uh, the the who, who's your, your daddy, daddy, right? Yeah. So in '86. I'm going to take you back away. So in 86, the Red Sox get to the World Series with this hot shot pitcher named the Rocket Roger Clemens goes up against another hot shot, Doc Dwight Gooden. And the Red Sox thought that they were going to win a bunch of World Series. Kind of reminds me of Marino and, and the Dolphins uh, right around that same time period. Well, the Red Sox, they win the division in 86. They win the division in 88, but they get swept by the Oakland A's with Kitseko Maguire. They win the division in 1990. They get swept by the Oakland A's with Kitseko Maguire and Ricky Henderson that year. And then the, the Blue Jays and Joe Carter comes around. They take the first couple of World Series, you know, um, in 92, 93, 94 time period. And then the Yankees era began. And the Yankees are almost kind of like, wait a second, the, the Red Sox and the Blue Jays have dominated this division over the last 10 years we're going to put together a team that's going to win. And then they have their dynasty. Well, towards the end of that dynasty in the late nineties, the Red Sox were like, we need to get into the act. So they went out and got Pedro Martinez. Then they ended up getting a trade for this guy that was unproven named David Ortiz. And then they get Manny Ramirez. Okay. So that takes us all the way to the two thousands. We're going to take a quick commercial timeout. And I'm going to take you from 2000s until today, and I'm going to explain to you what it is that is the point that I'm trying to make. So bear with me. I'm going to get to it. Stay with us, everyone. Don't go anywhere. We'll come back with more Red Sox, Yankees, Padres, Dodgers talk, and much, much more. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Mike at the Mike Show.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back on the Mike Abadir Show. And no, you're not listening to Nesson out of Boston. You're listening to the Mike Abadir Show. And I'm on with my man. Pop DiBiase. And by the way, I'm looking at results here from Santa Rosa opening day up in Northern Cali, the Northern Cali Fair, Santa Rosa. Race six official results, 1780 winner. The horse's name, get this, Pop. Holiday Arousal. Mm. Holiday Holiday Arousal. arousal. How'd that name get through? Anyways, we're talking analogies to the east and the west baseball wise history wise and i was about to kind of build up to a point here about the padres and the dodgers because it kind of reminds me of you know the red sox had made these attempts to to get to the promised land and then the yankees dynasty came along and then they went out and got pedro martinez in the late 90s they were basically like we've had enough of this and then they got Big Poppy. My bad, I don't mean to interrupt. They had, then they have uh, the uh, Pedro was the first piece. They got him in '95 after uh, the strike. Yeah, right. They after got the him. No, '97, right? They got him in '98, I believe. I will double was, check. That. Yeah, he was out of. I check it. Go ahead and keep talking. On my go. My bad. My bad. Go ahead. No, it's all good. And so, um, what what ended up happening was. And I just pulled it up. He came in in 98. He came into Boston in 1998. Um, So the Yankees had already won uh, a couple of World Series and were kind of well on their way, right? So they got Big Poppy and they got Manny. Now, if you recall, the Yankees were still winning the division. The Yankees were getting in as the wild card. And then they were going up against each other in the American League Championship Series. And, of course, the most historical one was that uh, Aaron Flippin' Boone, Aaron Frickin' Boone, whatever the hell Yankee fans say, when he hits that extra innings home run to send the Yankees to the World Series, and they broke the Red Sox hearts once again. And that was kind of the last straw. 
Then you got to the two, that was in 2003. Then you get to 2004. And again, the Yankees win the uh, division. Red Sox get the wild card. This time they're down three games to none. They're down in the last inning of the last clincher game of a sweep. They end up coming back, as we all know. They won game four, then game five, then game six, then game seven. Most historic comeback ever. And then they end up winning the World Series, bringing down that curse of the Bambino and beating the St. Louis Cardinals to win the first of what would be four World Series in the 2000s. The point that I'm trying to get at is this. It was incremental. The gap, it didn't close overnight. You're the stepchild first. You get enough. To, you've had enough of the beating. And then you bridge the gap. You bring in this guy. You bring in that guy. You call up some players from the minors. You develop some guys. You develop Nomar Garcia Parra, right? Some pitchers, Derek Lowe. You bring in a team, Wakefield, knuckleballer. You do different things. Maybe you're not winning the division, but you're getting in as the wild card, right? And then you lose a playoff series against your rival and then maybe another, but you still keep at it. You bridge that gap. And pretty soon you're winning the division. You're winning the world series. You're on a run. I think the Padres are kind of on that same flight path. That's why when you said Red Sox West, it kind of reminds me of that quite a bit. Because it's the historical team against the inferior opponent, the rival, and for me, I've always said, is a rivalry a true rivalry if you're not winning, if the other side isn't winning? So, look, the Padres are coming to play. And let's face it, kudos to the Giants because somehow, some way, they won three World Series in the last 10 years. I still don't know how they did it, but they did. They won three of them. So they're, they're more than the Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers, and Padres, the, the teams that we're talking about. But yet... Right now, we're talking about the two teams that are ahead of them, the Padres and the Dodgers. And I just sense that the, t- that the tide has changed in, down in San Diego. They're taking the city by storm, especially because they're the only show in town now without the Chargers. So the team really, really loves their Padres. I just have to wonder, how can you afford Manny Machado, Tatis Jr., and Soto, and then be able to have a, a roster around you? That's what I want to know. Mm. Well, what I can say is this. The Red Sox was, I think that they were absolutely built the the way that they they had to be built. I think that they tried to have the same situation as the Yankees, bringing up, you know, guys from the farm and everything like that. But the only one they had from the farm was Garcia Pair. And so then you bring in all these, these rogues and all these guys that were like, let me in and I I was kind of trying to trying to jump in early, but David Ortiz. I wanted to get into David Ortiz. David Ortiz used to be a guy that really did not hit home runs at all. I was, honestly, David Ortiz was like the king of baseline singles for a long time in Minnesota. Like every time I would see him, he was hitting the, uh, hitting it down the baseline. But one thing about David Ortiz was he was always hitting the ball. It's just that he had no place in Minnesota. Minnesota was – see, you're talking about the Red Sox. Minnesota had a pretty good team as well, too. Justin Morneau, Joe Maurer, those guys could really play some baseball. Johan Santana, 
Those guys were oh, for all sure. really good, really, really good. For sure. The Twins just came short. That's why nobody talks about the Twins as much as they will talk about the Red Sox. And, you know, they had to deal with that that Indians team because the Indians was a team that I was really into in the mid-90s and everything like that. So when I look at the way that the, the, the Padres are setting up, yes, you're trying to get to where the Dodgers are at, but do you have a Tito Francona? How about your manager? Their manager has made suspect moves, suspect uh, suspect situations, all types of stuff, and he's not like a top choice for that for that fan base either. So you can see that guy really messing things up for this team. So, so you still think they're a manager away? Yeah, that, and I just don't think I don't think they're looking at Soto as we're going to jump in here and give you four fifty. They just gave Machado 330. They just gave what's his name like 325. They that will be a billion dollars to three players. Your team, you don't, your market is does not conduce you to have a team like that. I know you're trying to keep up with the Dodgers. I know you're trying to keep up with the Giants and everything like that. But nobody's seeing how I'm seeing this right now. If this does not work out for the Padres, if they don't get to at least a championship series out of this situation because they did extend the playoffs this year, right, Mike? I think we got six teams this year instead of the four. So are the five getting, I think that one, are they doing three and six and four and five this year and letting the first two teams get a bye? Correct. Okay, so pretty much you have a rested Dodgers team, you have a rested uh, Mets team if we were to play the playoffs today, and then you would have to have a Padres team line it up with, Say somebody like the Cardinals, or say somebody like um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking the Braves. You know what I mean? And I think that those teams are going to be t- uh, tough because I think when it comes down to it, when it comes down to it, it's going to be about the pitching. And I don't know if they got the the back end on the bullpen. I know that they got some decent starters and everything, but Sean Mania hasn't been that good this season. Um, we all know that Blake Snell is a five-inning pitcher at best, and the Dodgers do have his number as well, too. And then, when you look at the... I, I, they don't have... They, they don't have a Jake Peavy. Put it like that. I know everybody likes Joe Musgrove, but I always tell people, you know, Joe Musgrove played for the uh, Pirates, right? And he was pretty bad at one point with the Pirates as well, too. So, that's why I use that against Joe Musgrove a lot. I'm sorry. I just do, okay? And I know... That Soto is going to get all the attention, but you need Bell and you need Drury to really be the guys that step it up because Soto is going to get a lot of pressure. That's all it is, and I don't know if he's going to play the same way that he played in, uh, with the Nats. The Nats don't are under the radar team. Even them going to the playoffs was under the radar. So a lot of times you'll have guys playing for under radar teams, and the, all they will do is sit up there and look look spectacular. Carlo, my greatest example, Carlos Beltran in Kansas City. You'll look spectacular every season, MVP-type baseball, but he's getting traded at literally before he's even reached his prime. And I know that's what a lot of people are excited about, but you get him down here to San Diego, you get him in this locker room with Tatis and Machado, you just don't want it to get too explosive. Because when the losing starts, the finger-pointing starts. And then you start questioning people's effort. And I know those guys will have a falling out if things aren't going the way that they want it to go. 
And that's because you don't have that veteran there that can be like, look, man, I went to the night to the 2000 so-and-so World Series and this and that happened. And you guys got to do it this way. You don't have that player on the Padres. So they're nowhere near being in the World Series this year, in my opinion, Mike. And I know that sounds crazy right now because they got everybody's uh, the flavor of the month. But to me, at the end of the day, this team is not ready for any of that. Interesting take. I mean, look, you know, someone could have said that about the Braves last year, right? You got a lot of guys that are uh, not necessarily battle tested, you know, right. but I suppose they did have leadership, though. So I think you make a point. You know, I think even though they hadn't won a World Series, Freddie Freeman was a team leader. You know, some of those pitchers over there were, were uh, are good right. leaders. Uh, you know, so I, I, I'm with you on that. Now, Soto did win a World Series. Granted, he was like 19 or 20 years old. But, yeah, hey, look, I think you make some fair points. I don't. Uh, if you ask me right now, gun to my head, who is the team leader? I, I don't know. Right. And just real quick, I'm going to let you uh, continue. Just let me just put this point why the Braves really won. Let me give you the reason why they won. Jot, MF, and Peterson. Period, point blank. This guy groomed by the Dodgers, drafted by the Dodgers, won the World Series with the Dodgers. He was pretty pissed when he wasn't a Dodger anymore. So he's calling out all the signs. He's tipping. He's telling them what pitch is coming. There was a lot of moments where it was like, how did they, how did, how's Rosario killing him so bad? Rosario is barely like in the lineup. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, okay, there, there's something here. And when you have a guy that used to play for your team and you guys are in the heat of a moment in a big series and you're losing games and certain things are happening, it's because that guy's giving out your information. And it don't really – and that's not an excuse, Mike, but that's just literally okay. Let's just keep it real. Jai Peterson was, was a great scout for the Braves, okay? It's, it's that simple. And then when you look at the way that they lost to the Nationals, that Dodger team just ran out of – that team just didn't take them as seriously as they should have at the end of the day. They thought they had them wrapped up in Washington, and it didn't work out. And then they had, thought they had them wrapped up in L.A., and it didn't work out. You know, and they – and once again, Washington was a team that caught – Washington and Atlanta caught the groove. They were bad teams that turned into good teams at the at a certain point. Padres been good all year, and the Padres have been here before. And you just know that the pitching is going to let them down. I'm not going to say the hitting will let them down, but the pitching is going to let them down, Mike. And it's that simple. We're talking you, Darvish, Joe Musgrove. Oh God, you, Darvish. Come on, man. You know nobody likes Blake him. Blake Snell and popping by popping buying it. Blake Snell beat him in the World Series. Hugh Darvish lost the World Series for the Dodgers. Um, Joe Musgrove was a pirate in recent time. Yeah, I'm, anybody who played for the Pirates, I'm just going to hold that against you always. Even, well, even more Charlie Gordon. Gold, Gold, it's Gold it's, it's my too, joke. Though. It's my little joke, though. You know what I mean? When you play you, bad yeah. teams in sports, it's like, I'm going to hold that against you because you played for the uh, Pirates, so I know you're going to make some mistakes at somewhere down the road. <laughs> Yeah, looking right now, kid. So we've spent some time, obviously, on the Padres and the Dodgers. Those are the two splashiest teams going right now. So made a lot of sense that we spent some of our time there. Um, It'd be interesting to see what the Giants do from here. What is their plan from here? Because, and you mentioned Jock Peterson, by the way. It's kind of interesting. The Giants were kind of in the thick of it until Jock got hurt. So, I mean, besides being a good scout, he's also got this – 
you know, I mean, he was an all-star. He had a great first half. He hits, it seems like every home run he hits is a meaningful one for some freaking reason. It's unbelievable. Um, but it seems like their decline coincided with the uh, injury to Jock Peterson, keeping him out of the lineup. You know, I'm not sure where they go from here. They, uh, they keep they saying that they want to replace. Well, well, I mean, look, they, I think they've got several holes. I think the biggest is that they're an aging roster for the most part, right. you know, Brandon belts and Brandon Crawford's and all these guys, you know, um, they've had a nice run. But that's uh, unless you're going to bring back Richard Ilya or something. I mean, they're going to have to retool. They're going to have to develop. They're going to have to start with pitching. They're going to have to do it the Giants' way. But for a long time, we've been hearing about them, you know, bringing in that Barry Bonds replacement, and it just hasn't happened on the hitting side of things. Um, <laughs> now they were very. Mike, hold on, you said Barry Bonds replacement. Barry been gone yeah, twenty I mean, years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they can keep looking for another two decades, I suppose, right? So um, who, was they looking for the Willie McCovey uh, replacement when before they got Barry? <laughs> well, look, Jeez, Louise. they opened up their pocketbook for a three-time MVP, gave him the biggest contract in sports history. And then it's interesting because they've won three World Series since then, since his retirement in 08 or whatever it was. But they haven't opened up their pocketbook again. It's like, what are you waiting for? You won three World Series. Your revenue is off the charts. That stadium is so sold out for 10 years straight. Like, what else are you waiting for? To Soto should have been their guy. He's the ideal guy because I think the days of signing your 30-year-old Albert Pujols to a 10-year deal are over. If you're going to be giving out 10-year deals. You got to do them with guys like Tatis, Bryce Harper, uh, Manny Machado, you know, I'm talking Harper, you know, four years ago, right, uh, Machado four years ago, Tatis now, Juan Soto now, these these guys that are like in their early 20s, mid-20s, not when they're 31, keeping them till they're 41. I never understood that. So the Giants missed a golden opportunity, in my opinion, but I don't think they had the depth in their minor league system to be able to compete to be able to go after Soto anyways. So let's take a quick commercial timeout, Pop. We'll come back for the final segment. We'll talk a little bit of American League and talk some NFL training camp as well. I know everybody out there is uh, getting excited to take some bite-sized nibbles of some NFL action as we start creeping closer to opening day. Stay with us, everyone. We will be back right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the Show.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back on the final segment of the Mike Abadir Show with the man himself, Pop DiBiase. Jamil, let's talk about the American League for a second. I think uh, the big news there was the lack of big news. The Yankees, they didn't really, uh, you know, they did they tinkered with the roster a little bit. You know, they didn't give up too much. Uh, they brought in uh, some relief pitchers, and you know, they made some some minor moves here and there. Obviously, you know, they uh, cut bait on on Joey Gallo because, like he said, his stint in New York was very forgettable. I do agree with you that I think it's kind of a steal of a deal, no lose proposition for the Dodgers. Although I will say they've gotten a, a lot out of Trace Thompson. Uh, good for him, man. Uh, I'm rooting for him. It's got to suck to have like a superstar brother winning all these rings in one sport. And you're kind of being sh- shuffled back and forth between AAA and, and the big leagues. So I hope he sticks. I hope he does real well, but I think that Gallo does provide them depth. Um, I think it's a good move for the Dodgers, but the Yankees overall, uh, you know, the big move that they made obviously was uh, some pitch starting pitching help, you know, and and they use, they use their, uh, their minor league system, better known as the Oakland A's to do it. And, um, and I think that they um, probably put themselves in a pretty good position to make a, uh, playoff run because of the pitching depth the Red Sox got rid of a very very popular locker room and on game manager and Christian Vasquez the catcher but then brought in a couple of guys it it, it almost felt like okay what are you doing are you going for a playoff run this year are you not going for a playoff run this year what do you kind of make of the American League East? The Blue Jays, they made some minor moves. Um, the Rays, real minor stuff. The AL East overall was kind of a dud in terms of playoff deadline. Well, I thought the Yankees won. I thought the Yankees did exactly what they were supposed to do. The Yankees wanted needed pitching. They went and got a, a potential closer. 
They went and got a guy who's actually a young stud reliever as well, too, from the Cubs. That was a steal. Really, the Cubs gave a really good pitcher. Um, but the Scott Cubs, Efros. Yeah, Efros. But the thing is, though, the Cubs gave him up, I know, simply because the Cubs wanted they, – they knew they had to give him up to get, the, to get those pieces. You know what I mean? And the A's knew that they – and I thought, honestly, Blackburn was going to be the guy that was going to go. I thought he's he's been the best pitcher with them all season. But then when they go ahead and they get who they got from um, getting Frankie Montez, who's good, who's really good. But I thought Blackburn was better. But I think Oakland has some plans for Blackburn on the long, on the long run. So, you know, they want to make sure they get some more assets for him as well, too. So I think that all in all, the, the AL East wasn't as stinky as the AL Central. You would think that none of those teams make good moves, period. Like, the Indians got like a like a washer and dryer. The White Sox got like a, a, a refrigerator from Sears, and the Twins maybe got something. I think the White Sox traded one of, their, one of their key players to the Twins. Or not a key player, but one of their farm players or something to the Twins. That was the division I thought that was going to kind of go for bust with, with certain veterans. You know what I mean? But the Yankees, I thought they did well, and I thought that Toronto did well when they got Ben Attendee, that they're serious about where they're going. I don't think that Tampa Bay is too serious. They're just around, and I think that Baltimore literally kind of threw in the flag, their white flag a little bit. Um, even though they didn't want to, they got a winning record. They worked really hard to get that winning record, 12 in a row before the All-Star break. But they trade Trey Mancini because they're setting themselves up for the next seven years. You know what I mean? They know – that they got something here. They got a really, really good group here. Um, I, I like Baltimore five years down the road. I think that they're going to be right there giving the Yankees problems because they're not just putting the, this together so they can get some puppies. They're putting this together so then when you get some winning going on, then you can bring yourself a nice free agent. Baltimore won't be scared to put out some money. They paid Miguel to how did they pay Rafael Palmero? They paid – uh, the, they really went uh, uh, they went contract for contract with the Yankees in the uh, 90s. I thought that they had a better group than the Red Sox. The, that Baltimore Orioles group really, really should have won a World Series. They were good. So I think that Baltimore is working on something for the long term so they can keep competing with the Yankees and the Red Sox, in my opinion. And the Red Sox, to me, are just playing their hand a little bit. They know that they're pretty much that they're 50 and 50 right now. And that boat has sailed off. I told you this already. The, when, you, when you're double digit games back and the Yankees are the team that's the whooping you like this, the Yankees just, it's, it's like Tyson coming into the ring. You were already beat before you came into the ring. I know that you feel like everybody can make a push, but it's the Yankees up 12. It's not the Rays up 12. It's not the Blue Jays up 12. It's the Yankees up 12. They're not going to blow the lead. And they're going to win the division by 12, 14 games. So Boston is just telling themselves, we're nowhere near the Yankees right now. So if we make a move, we make a move. If we don't, we don't. But we like Eric Hosmer, and we like the fact that we don't have to pay him. And then the, the other players that they went and got, we like the fact that we got them, and we don't have to pay them either. So let's go ahead and maybe have some guys for the next few seasons that we don't have to pay uh, big dollars to as we develop with this younger group of players that will be starred by Mr. Verdugo, uh, courtesy of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Once again, the Dodgers gave them 
a guy who was better than Lux. Verdugo was better than Lux, and Verdugo at one point was said to be better than Bellinger. So, you know, at the end of the day, the Red Sox know what they're doing. The Yankees did exactly what they were supposed to do. The Yankees could have been stupid and said, let's go get Soto. But they having a career year from a judge right now. Stanton is quietly killing it. And Stanton is going to be the biggest reason why the Yankees get to the World Series. If he has a huge October, I know I said the Dodgers win it, but if Stanton can put just crank out five, six, seven homers, that's confidence boosters, and they're always at the right time. So the Yankees got a big shot to me, but the Astros-Yankees series is just going to be epic. I can just feel it now. But um, when I look at this, I said to myself, you look at the, the West, nobody did deals. The, the, you know, Seattle did a great deal getting Castillo. You know, he, he, he former Red, he's coming from a last-place team, but – He's a good pitcher. He's he's he he's been he's been right up there, and he's had some good seasons. But he's been a little he's he's fell he he hasn't been you know he's had he's been shaky as well too. But it was a good deal for the Mariners. But Houston did most of the dealing, you know, in this division. And Houston was stealing. You know, they got they get Vasquez, they get Mancini, then they were able to get Will Allen back. It's just like it's like, dude, slow down. You know what I mean? Like the Astros are like, we really need to line it up correctly for the Yankees. So let's go get guys that we know that are going to put us over the top because we do got some good hitters, but the Yankees got the hitters. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm just thinking to myself, I don't think the AL East was that much of a clunker. I just think that everybody had this idea that one of the AL East teams was going to probably try to give up the farm for Soto because everybody thought about it. Everybody thought about it. Everybody thought about it. And so pretty much – when you look at it, you I think people thought the Yankees were going to do something really bold. You know what I mean? Because they don't have assurance that they're going to keep Judge. So they thought the Yankees were going to do something really bold, and they didn't. And a lot of people thought the Red Sox might be doing something bold, but they didn't. I think that team's played it smart because they're they not looking at Soto like everybody else is. they just looking at his age and how fun he is when he plays the game. But at the end of the day, I'm going to just say it again, 245 batting average, Mike. And, you know, that back in the 80s, that was seen as, okay, the guy's kind of average, even if you're hitting home runs and everything like that. I mean, because the best, best hitters in baseball have 300 averages. You know what I mean? I know you can't do it every year, but damn, Tony Gwynn made it look easy, didn't he? (laughs) So, you know, it's about your effort and about how how you approach the game. And I just really feel like the 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 real real elite team said that to themselves, I like the kid, but I do not want to do it. It's Scott Boris is agent. I think Boris is his agent. I don't want to deal yep. with Scott Boris and him coming in my room talking about five hundred million dollars. Yeah, you know I mean, it's that yeah. simple because I feel like the 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 Nationals made an unrealistic number for him this early in his career. I, yeah, I, know I thought it that was crazy right now, but that's an unrealistic number for a player. But the but real quick, thirty seconds with this, and I'll let you take the floor, Mike. Um, the we talked, you just talked about salary cap. Do you remember this article that Sports Illustrated had, and they talked to the the analytical guy who started running the uh, Houston Astros uh, payroll, 
And they were giving out monster deals to George Springer, Altuve, when they were 22, 23 years old, like $60, $70 million deals. So then they could have these guys cheap for the for, for what they felt would be the best part of their careers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they want to make it to where it was a top heavy con- their top heavy contracts from when they're coming out the minor leagues to where at the end of the day they're not paying much of anything. And so that's what type of deal Soto was going to get. And that's where baseball is headed to. That's why they're handing guys 13-year contracts because it looks really big when you see the number. But they're putting a lot of that money up front. The back-end money, the the other part of it, the back-end part of the money might not even be paid all the way throughout the 10-year, the 13-year contract. It might wind up being a 50-year deal, just like Manny Ramirez, who's going to get paid until 2042. A lot of people don't know about that, though. <laughs> so yeah, the one that gets know. a lot of attention is the Bonillo one, right? But Manny has the same type of deal. They had a forty-five million dollar uh, deal in place um, when McCourt used team funds. They couldn't cover paying Manny because that was a two-year deal. That was supposed to be Manny making twenty-two and a half million, you know, uh, uh, a season. The Dodgers were only able to give him $4 million, but they put his contract in escrow once they traded him to the Cubs or White Sox, wherever he went to when the Dodgers traded him at the trade deadline, and the Dodgers are still paying this man. Well, that's uh, a very interesting insight on the on these contracts, and I think, uh, I think you're making a lot of good points. We only have a couple of minutes here before we got to wrap this thing up. Uh, real quick thoughts. It looks like after... Uh, the the NFL arbitrator has been assigned to the Deshaun Watson case that the uh, judgment of, of six games from the court ruling that came down may be extended in terms of what the NFL lays down. Um, you know, where do the Browns go from here? They could, they should, they could have, and they should have known this was coming. Okay. Did they go after seconds. Jimmy G or what do you think they do now? 30 seconds. I'm okay. I'm good with Jacoby Brissett. There you Jacoby go. Hey, look, fine. you're consistent it's because fine. you've been saying you've been you've been praising Jacoby Brissett for, for, for a minute now. So I know you believe that he could get the job done, especially with the two headed monster in the backfield with uh, Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt. If you ask Brady today who he thought was better when he was playing with both those quarterbacks, he'll tell you Jacoby. I believe all that day, every day, all day, you. every day. And it wasn't that he didn't like Jimmy G It's that he knows Jacoby Brissett was a better quarterback. Jacoby Brissett was – Jacoby Brissett played for North Carolina State. If you throw him on USC, the guy would have been the top ten pick. <laughs> simple. Hey, man. It's that simple, that's, man. That's, uh, maybe that's a preview played. of things to come for the Browns. Maybe they're kind of an underdog team, under-the-radar team. Brissett may impress game. some people. Maybe a good fantasy player. Who knows? Run game. Run game makes life really easy for you. You know, he, This quarterback is going to keep you safe. He's not going to throw picks. And you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Defense, well, look at the Niners. It's time Niners for you to have been step it up. For years. Niners have been winning for years without a quarterback and doing it with uh, just a really keep you off balance, hard nose hitting running game. So right, offensive line, point, carry point blank. Yep, offensive Absolutely. line is carrying you. You don't matter who the quarterback is. We'll throw Mike back there, and you can still win seven games. There you go, man. Hey, give me right. eight. I could get to five hundred, pop. You get the 500. Well, Mike can get you nine wins then. Oh, that's true because now it's 17 games. So now it's like you got to be nine and Mike. Mike can get you eight, 10. Well, I think Mike can get you to 10 with the Niners. He'll get you to. He might get you to one with the Giants. 
Play- <laughs> playoffs, baby. We're making the playoffs with the Niners next year. That's uh, that's you heard it here first. Pop, what's your uh, Twitter handle so people can follow you, brother? At Pop DBIC, and you guys can also follow the media page at Prime Wave Media Group as well too. Prime Wave. There it is, folks. Pop, as always, thank you, my man. You always uh, deliver when called on to co-host or to pinch hit or to to run the show. So you're versatile. You can do it all. Thank you, my friend. That's all the time we got for this week's show, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Without you, there's no show. We will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. We love you, L.A. You know, Saturday Night Live. uh, (laughs) There you go. All right. Signing off. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.